Welcome to The Doctrinal Component with Tom Nettles, brought to you by Founders Ministries. Founders Ministries is a reformed teaching organization committed to the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of local churches. For more teaching material by Dr. Nettles, please visit founders.org. Well, we have now come to the second stanza of this hymn, which is also a confession of faith that's entitled The Mystery of Godliness. Uh, it's a mystery that it's something that is revealed. It is re- revealed to us in the person of Christ as the truly godly Holy One. It is revealed to us in the Word of God, in the Gospel, uh, proclaiming that without holiness no one will see the Lord. And it becomes revealed more and more in the church uh, itself as there is a sanctifying work that is going on for those who have believed the gospel. Now, this uh, second stanza begins with the phrase proclaimed among the nations. The phrase just before this is uh, correlative to it. Jesus was seen by angels. And though the angels announced his birth and they announced his resurrection, and they announced his ascension. Uh, It was given to the apostles, to people who were sinners, uh, to people who had fallen and yet had been uh, reclaimed, had been redeemed, that the preaching of the gospel was given. Uh, Paul gloried in this reality that he was to be accounted a preacher of the gospel. And to me, this grace was given to proclaim among the Gentiles the glorious riches of Christ. He was a proclaimer of the gospel. Uh, Peter, who had been so often weak and so often confused during the time of his following Jesus in this life, was given great uh, strength and great power and great courage by the Holy Spirit after the ascension at the day of, of Pentecost. And he proclaimed that first Christian message when people, Jews from all nations, were there. And then he was the one who was called to the house of Cornelius first to to preach the gospel to these God-fearing Gentiles, and then was called to to verify that the the gospel had actually been powerful among the the Samaritans. Uh, And so this this preaching of the gospel was by God, people who were God-gifted, people who were ordained as apostles, Their revelatory word was now the substance of the preaching task of uh, the minister. Uh, He was preached among the nations by sinners to sinners. The next phrase, believed on in the world, is correlative to vindicated by the Spirit. As Jesus was vindicated by the Spirit in his life so that he came to a particular point of being declared Uh, uh, righteous. Uh, uh, Even so, the Spirit vindicates the message about Christ. In Hebrews 5, verse 7, we read, In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence or his reverent submission. And although he was a son, that is, although he was the son of God, he was the one who shared the very nature of God eternally. Nevertheless, in his incarnation, in his humanity, it says, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect became the source of eternal salvation to all who 
obey him. So he was vindicated by the Spirit. He was brought to that point of perfection. Now the Spirit takes the message of Christ. The Spirit blesses the message of Christ. The Spirit vindicates Christ and this message of the gospel by bringing people to a point of believing it. And so we read that uh, he was believed on in the world. Titus 3.5 says, talks about the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, uh, that work of the Spirit by which we come to believe the gospel. 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 5 says, Our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and or even in the Holy Spirit and with full persuasion. So this work of the Spirit is that which gave full persuasion. When it came with power, that means it came with the Holy Spirit. There is this vindicating operation of the Holy Spirit in the preaching of the gospel by the apostles, by sinful men, to sinners, so that we see it is true that Christ himself is the only Redeemer. Christ himself is the Son of God. Christ himself is risen from the dead. It is in him that we have forgiveness of our sins. It is in him alone that we have eternal life. Jesus taught this himself. In the book of John, we have the, the uh, interview with Nicodemus. In John 3, verses 3 through 8, we have born of the Spirit used three times there, that no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again or born of the Spirit. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of the Spirit. Uh, Jesus told Nicodemus that uh, the wind blows where it lists. You cannot tell where it goes or where it comes from. Even so is it with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Uh, marvel not that I say to you, you must be born again. So without the work of the Spirit of God, the gospel would not be vindicated because we are so hard-hearted and so corrupt and so alien to the truth that unless there is a change of affections, unless there is, as it were, a new creation made in us, unless there is a circumcision of the heart, a circumcision given by the Spirit of God, this is a message so holy and so righteous and so true that our corrupt hearts would not believe it. But the Spirit vindicates it. The Spirit presses it upon our conscience. And then the, the final article of the Confession of Faith, he was taken up in glory. And this is correlative to he was manifested in the flesh. This culmination, this, this uh, confession culminates with this affirmation of his ascension, which marks the certainty that his work of redemption was accepted in heaven. Uh, we read in Ephesians uh, chapter 1, this glorious movement of Christ into heaven by uh, power. It says that uh, the Apostle Paul wants us to know what is the unmeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he has put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills 
all in all. And so the confession culminates with this reality. His ascension has taken place. His work has been accepted. All of his enemies will certainly be destroyed. They're all under his feet. They all serve him. They do uh, his bidding uh, through the Spirit. He has given gifts to men in this ascension. He has given these gifts uh, that are apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastor teachers. And that is to equip the saints for work of ministry until we all reach a unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. The truth will be established in the church through this uh, triumphant work of Christ as he sends his spirit to seal these things to our heart. And so we must be careful that we do not forget uh, the glory and the beauty of this specific confession of faith where the apostle Paul says, Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. Thank you for listening to this edition of The Doctrinal Component. I look forward to seeing you or hearing you or talking to you uh, this next time. Thank you.